This is Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. It's a new podcast from WQXR, and we interrogate the culture of our classical music scene, and we look at ways to make it beautiful for all of us. In this series, we're talking about representations of Blackness in opera. In this episode, we're looking at Mozart's opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio. The abduction. Abduction. Uh, abduction. abduction. Abduction from, from the, the Seraglio. Every one of Mozart's operas, of course, is liberatory. And, and it's just that I don't think he was very happy with the abduction. And I think for a long time, Mozart just couldn't get what he wanted to see on stage. Theater and opera director Peter Sellers. I mean, there's beautiful music in it, abduction. But it's extremely awkward as a piece. And I've never done it because I just can't go in there. Yeah, Mozart, he's aware of the times in which he lived in. Bass Kevin Maynor. And he projects what we just might need or encounter in years to come. What we need. Many cultures, many voices, one people. Mozart landed his dream job when he turned 25 years old. This was 1781. And what was happening in the culture in 1781 wasn't where he wanted his art to be. Opera was a major source of entertainment back then, and he saw it as a space where he could tell stories and have conversations that were important and necessary. In order to do that, he left home, left home in Salzburg and moved to Vienna, where he became a freelancer, giving concerts, teaching and composing music. Plus, in Vienna, Emperor Joseph was there. He was a fan of Mozart. He was a big supporter of the arts. And he abolished serfdom. And he did something that I find very uncommon for the time. Almost unthinkable. Emperor Joseph II was friends with an African man. A man named Mamadi Make also known as Angelo Soliman. Maki was brought to Vienna as a slave, given away as a gift. This dude was brilliant. He spoke six languages, and he became a tutor in Vienna. And he and the emperor spent casual time together in the 1780s. Maki was also a Freemason, and so when Mozart got to Vienna, both Joseph II and Maki were there, and I imagine Mozart felt comfortable showing up with this very radical opera that he had written a few years earlier. Mozart was in Paris looking for a job in 1778. His mother had gone there with him. She died while they were there. And so naturally it hit him hard. It caused a rift, some friction, I should say, between Mozart and his father. Well, Mozart ended up staying in Paris for a few months after his mother's passing. And he wound up sharing a house with a then-famous composer and violinist named Joseph Boulogne, also known as Chevalier de Saint-Georges. Now, Boulogne was Senegalese French, and he had access to some opportunities because his father was wealthy and European. So Boulogne was close to Marie Antoinette, and her brother was Joseph II. 
After that summer with Boulogne, Mozart went back home, back to Salzburg, and composed an opera called Zaid. And when he moved to Vienna, he took Zaid with him, and he presented it to the manager of an opera house. You'll never guess what that opera was about. It is about a slave revolt. Hold up. Pump the brakes. What? A slave revolt? Slavery was the law of the land in some places. It was the economic engine for many places. It was like the way of the world. Mozart wants to depict abolitionists? Freedom? A slave revolt on stage? Every one of Mozart's operas is liberatory. Said was his abolitionist opera. And it is about a slave revolt. And he is very specific about it. For a long time, Mozart just couldn't get what he wanted to see on stage. Opera and theater director Peter Sellers. We did a production that had Russell Thomas and Morris Robinson and Sean Panikkar and really beautiful cast. And we set it in a slave sweatshop in Queens. We worked with freetheslaves.com and every performance we had former slaves testify what they've been through right now in our lifetime because slavery is a very real, real issue right now. So I wanted to contextualize that really, really deeply and set Mozart's anti-slavery music. Focusing on those populations wasn't in fashion in the 18th century, certainly not about their liberation. Their enslavement was Europe's economic engine. And so Zaid didn't suit the politics or pocketbooks of the time. Back then and now, making fun of those seen as others was fashionable. And comedic opera was highly entertaining. So that's what Mozart did in 1782. On a commission from Joseph II, Mozart composed a rescue opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio, an opera depicting Christian Europeans two women and one man being held in a seraglio, a harem in Turkey. Now, they were being held by Pasha Selim, who had a henchman, a gatekeeper, an enforcer, a man named Asmin. Asmin had been brought to Turkey as an enslaved man, most likely of African descent. There was another Black character in the opera. He was a mute. Didn't have anything to say. Well, Asmin was thought to be a eunuch as well, which would have made him non-threatening to Pasha's harem of women. And him being a eunuch would have also affected his vocal cords, and his voice would have been more like that of a soprano, a castrato. But instead, Mozart gave him a bass role. And in a letter to his father, Mozart said that Asmin's rage is rendered comical by his use of Turkish music. I had my dream. I wanted to be as good as I could be, and I didn't know where I would go. This is bass Sir Willard White, as Asmin. The Pasha saw me one day and liked my statue, liked what I stood for. Like the fact that I was strong, but not challenging to him, but merely to defend myself. And um, fortunately, I was a eunuch. Fortunate for him. 
It was a situation that I had to give in to in order to fulfill my path in this world. I had to be somewhat of a voyeur and uh, had to be content with another form of satisfaction. Being able to see and talk about love, because if I stepped out of line, I could lose more than my testicles. He's not quite bright. I think he's an idiot, actually. But uh, he's loyal, and um, he's loyal to a fault. This is bass baritone Nathan Stark as Pasha Salim. I needed somebody who was a, a, a large person to keep away the other people who might be trying to invade my uh, my wives and needed him to protect them uh, against anybody who would be foolish enough to try to sneak in. But the wives, uh, they tolerate him, and he, he keeps them in order. And when I need one of them or two of them or three of them, he brings them to me. He has a little a weak spot for women. He's a loyal servant, and he just needs to, uh, to stay away from the women, though. The women were privileged people. I mean, one was a servant of the other, and the servant had a sort of similar position as myself, but in a different category. This is Bayes, Sir Willard White, as Azmin, talking about Constanza and Blonde, two European women who'd been captured by pirates and sold to Pasha Salim. One of the women, Blonde, was in the service of the other. She was English, and Azmin, the eunuch, was attracted to her. Um, he's very boorish and... The way that he tries to woo me is just, oh, it's god-awful. Soprano Jennifer Welch-Babbage as blonde. Of course he is definitely trying to do. Every minute he's trying to seduce or, or come on to me. We, we worked together sometimes, and I'm, a, I'm very safe because there is nothing that could happen to her from me. He's an intimidating figure. He can snap your neck in a second, and I've had him do it several times. He doesn't ask a lot of questions. He was brought to me as a slave, and um, I just saw potential in his size and his intimidation, and I needed that to keep order in the palace. You're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. We'll take a short break and then hear more about God, awful as me how blonde the good Christian girl uses her English privilege to keep the big borscht brood Asmin in line. I'm Jennifer Welch-Babbage, and you're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. This episode of the show is on Mozart's opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio. Mozart composed it when he was 25. He had just moved to Vienna at the time, when comic opera was in vogue. This opera was commissioned by Holy Roman Emperor Joseph II, who was known for religious tolerance. In this opera, Mozart is confronting the social impact 
of the gulf that exists between two religious practices. Mozart also deals with the fiction of race in this opera and hierarchies associated with race and color. All of these things, which still impact our society and feed the news headlines every day. Yes, this is the failure of the human dream, always to be better than the next one. She came from a society that because of her color, she had a certain privilege. And uh, I, because of my color, I was less privileged, but had acquired some privilege in this enclave of the Pasha's realm. That's Asmin talking about Blanda. His mind's view is that because we're both servants, that I don't necessarily deserve to have this sort of respect, which I think is extremely wrong. In the opera, Blanda says that English women are born to be free. You know, if he wants to make advances on someone of my kind, of my station, then he must do so with kindness. He must treat me with respect. He must honor my feelings. It's not all about his feelings or who he thinks I should be as a woman. I am an independent person who deserves to be honored and valued. And this is not his thinking in the slightest. Luckily, my Lady Constanza is extremely kind to me and we are, we are companions and friends. I work with people, I serve people, I help people, but I am not a pushover. A woman is not to be one. She is not an object who is allowed to be owned. She is her own person. What I do understand is how people treat one another. That is what I find just absolutely disgusting about Osmin. And that is why I am so up in arms about the way that he treats me and women in general. Mm -hmm. Well, I had to deal with Blonda quite a lot, and I grew to be fond of her. But, uh, you know, in my opening song, when I talk about when you found a woman, you love her and cherish her and kiss her and never leave her alone. But um, money is necessary. Money is necessary to keep her. He's so boorish and so insolent that it's quite humorous, to be honest. And I think that to be truthful about it, his bark is probably worse than his bite. Pasha is not like this at all. He is much more refined, as I have said, and he's got a kinder heart, even though he's a part of this society, which I do not necessarily understand whether women seem to be subjected somewhat to men's frivolity. He is able to understand the good in human nature. And obviously, Pasha is the one who holds the upper hand here. And the one who has Pasha's ear is my lady Constanza. So, if Osmin goes too far, all I have to do is to tell her and she will talk to Pasha, who will then set him straight. One of my favorite pastimes is to 
see somebody get lashed and flogged and I think especially with Osmin he's a he's a strong guy so it's fun to see how much you can whip him until he actually cries out I sometimes do it for fun just to see if we can break him and when we can break him but uh yeah he's been lashed many times for uh I don't know looking at me funny or dropping my meals when he brings them to me or if he's late coming in with one of my wives when I've asked him to arrive. He's used to it, but he, he never likes it, and I enjoy the fact that he doesn't like it. Pasha Selene, musing over his authority and his mistreatment of his slave, Asmin. That's from Mozart's 1782 opera, The Abduction from the Seraglio, but the attitude and perspective don't seem that out of touch. Unfortunately, that could have been somebody this morning covertly caught on tape and posted on social media. So what Mozart put on stage regarding Asmin's treatment back then was a reality for enslaved people. In French and English and Spanish colonies, there were codes that governed the institution of slavery. And so enslaved people were severely punished and killed for running away talking back, striking back, gathering with other slaves, learning to read or write, there was severe punishment. And by 1782, there were millions of Osmines living in the Caribbean islands in North or South America, as well as a few dozen right there in Vienna with Mozart. Difference now? Pasha Salim's attitude isn't laughable. It's tragic. And we just don't accept it. I'd like to say in this show, we bring the past into the present, the stage into the streets where we all work, walk, live, and love together. It's not always pretty, but we're trying to make it beautiful for all of us. Many cultures, many voices, one people. Every Voice with Terrence McKnight was written and produced by Terrence McKnight, David Norville, and Tony Phillips. Our research team includes Ariel Elizabeth Davis, Panati Diwaka, Ian George, and Jazz Ogist. This episode's sound design and engineering is by Alan Gofinski. Our original music is composed by Brother Jeremy Thomas, featuring Dr. Ashley Jackson on harp and Brother Tito Sampa on percussion and vocals. Music featured in this episode included selections from D. Intfudum Alstom Sorel as performed by the Metropolitan Opera and also thanks to Livermore Valley Opera for use of their performance of Abduction from the Seraglio. Our project manager is Natalia Ramirez and our executive producer is Tony Phillips. The executive producer for WQXR Podcast is Elizabeth Nanamaker and Ed Yem is the chief content officer at WQXR. This project is supported in part by the National Endowment for the Arts. You can find more information on the web at arts.gov. Thanks to the Met Archives for invaluable research data. If you enjoyed this episode, please take time to rate it, rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I'm Terrence McKnight. I'll see you next time. You're listening to Every Voice with Terrence McKnight. Thank you.